this thing on? If you like rock music, punk, metal, or blues, then you've come to the right place because we like it too. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Soundcheck, the rock and roll and alternative music podcast here at Central Michigan Life. My name is Michael Livingston, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Andrew Mullen, and I am joined by a very special guest. (laughs) Bracia, I am Andrew's girlfriend. (laughs) Yes, but she's also an expert in the subject we'll be talking about today as well. Yes. So uh, this is going to be a very awesome episode, I can already tell, because... Some of this material we're going to discuss is genre-defying, generation-defying. It's pretty pretty excellent. Yeah, I was telling Andrew before that I also think it's really good that you guys got a woman to be a guest on this episode because obviously a lot of the overarching themes of Fiona's work involve feminist topics, also talking about sexual assault, and just her relationships with the men in her life in general. And so I feel like I kind of can resonate with her stuff in a way that is different from maybe what you guys would. So, yeah. I definitely agree. And yeah, you just heard it from Brie. We're talking about Fiona Apple today. Someone I have heard a couple songs throughout the years, but never really gave the time of day to just dive full in. Um, You know, this is an artist, Brie, correct me if I'm wrong, but that kind of has a cult following. Got popular in the 90s Mm -hmm. um, with kind of the whole 90s alt scene, but blossomed Mm -hmm. into kind of like this jazz baroque like chaotic Mm -hmm. piano player that we know today yeah definitely i mean she is classically trained on the piano and so she was composing stuff by age eight um but yeah she definitely did evolve into her own iconic figure outside of the rest of the music scene at the time so her work is like really eclectic and unique and experimental at times in a way that i don't think a lot of other artists were when her debut album came out so, yeah, you're definitely right in that characterization. Yes. Well, bef- and as much as I'm excited to talk about today's episode, before I move any further, we should uh, get some housekeeping out of the way. Um, uh, we have a Twitter. You should definitely go follow that because we post our playlists and episodes. Um, you can follow us at uh, SCheckOfficial. Um, there you should be able to find uh, last week's episode, Strange Music Collaborations, which, by the way, Ben, uh, created one of the most horrifying images I've ever seen in my life. It was like a composite of all of our faces and hopefully it didn't scare anyone away because I think it was a really fun episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good welcome back. And you can follow my Twitter at Michael C. Live if you want. Uh, uh, you can follow me at Antimon4 and uh, while you're here, Bree, what's your Twitter? You can follow me at Bree the Fruit Bat, which is also my Instagram handle. So my Instagram and Twitter are the same. Nice. All right. Does that get it all out of the way? Do we have anything else to debut? I, you know, what? I want to try something different. If I want to propose this to you guys, I want to try this one a little different by like straight up, just like ranking all the albums before we get into them. That yeah. way we kind of have like, since there's mm-hmm. only five and we kind of know yeah. what we all prefer going in. What do you think? That sounds good to me. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Um, I'm fine with that, but um, I, I was since you kind of gave your general thoughts about this, Michael. Before we kind of dive into that, uh, let's 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 kind of let's right. keep going around the circle. Kind of 
kind of give our own personal experiences um, with this. So I'll let the guests go first, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, obviously, Bachima, because you're kind of the expert, at least in the room on the on this on Viona Apple. So kind of describe to her like what 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 her music has meant to you, how you got into her, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So I discovered Fiona Apple five years ago um, while I was watching a documentary. This is a random topic that doesn't really have to do with music, but I was watching a documentary about Aaron Swartz, who's one of the co-founders of Reddit. And um, they were interviewing his girlfriend for the documentary. And she said that at one point, Aaron played her Extraordinary Machine on his acoustic guitar and said that he thought it was his theme song. And so they started playing that song in the background of her interview. And from what I could hear, I remember thinking that it was so charming and fun. And it had this really quirky like lilt to it. And so I was like, I want to listen to this. So after I finished watching, I found that full song and then I found the whole album. And that's basically how I became a fan of her was from being a fan of somebody else. <laughs> wow. I've, that, I've never heard of like a, a like discovery story like that before, like watching a documentary. That's pretty yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. so. extraordinary machine too that yeah that's that's a pretty unique album which we'll get to later mm -hmm. so. andrew what's your uh first um, it, i wish i could say i was uh, a little farther i wish i could say i was much farther than you michael but um not by much i knew some of her, i knew like an album of her too I, I i picked i picked up some songs through over the years i always knew she was really talented but uh you know especially um after we started dating um she i i was slowly being introduced to more of her work and uh the first time i really had to just sit through her entire discography he was kind of preparing for this episode and um and i mean kind of confirmed what little i knew and and then some that she is as you said earlier michael kind of a generation defining mm -hmm. songwriter um and, and the musical artist as well she has just this presence and this voice it just carried her throughout her career and while you know due to kind of how she kind of writes songs you don't have a ton of music even though she's been in the music scene for 20 uh, 20 25 plus years you know um however long it's been at this point she mm -hmm. definitely has uh she definitely her name definitely carries a lot of weight now and i think i think for good reason because she is just a generation defining talent and um i'm super happy to get to talk about her today um because mm -hmm. i don't know if you really covered an artist like this before someone you know who is this really mix of you know jazz is an alternative and also a bit of a crooner as well but has just she i think she had well i mean sure she writes a lot of you know piano. i don't want to say standard piano ballads but you know has a has a lot of that inner discography she definitely approaches it in a way that i don't think a lot of other people really can compare to so mm -hmm. um yeah i i, I think fiona um i don't have like as much as i don't have a personal connection to fiona apple at this point um i i i think uh i, I can definitely see especially after finding finally listening to everything that where all the hype has come from over the years mm -hmm. brie i have a question earlier in the episode you kind of touched on the need to kind of have a, a woman to mm -hmm. guide us through this music there's a lot of uh, particular themes that need to be talked about before we even dive into the music. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So in every album of her discography, Fiona talks about abusive relationships with narcissistic men. She has admitted in interviews that she's had a lot of bad boyfriends in her life, and she did experience a sexual assault when she was about 12 years old. 
So that influenced her relationships with men throughout her entire life. And I just think that beyond the feminist themes that are in her songs, like Under the Table, the really intimate emotions that go on when you experience things like what Fiona went through are something I feel like as a woman, I am able to connect with a little bit more because even if I haven't experienced everything that she has, like the full dramatic extent of it, I can still relate to like being around (laughs) chauvinistic men or people that are just really egotistical and full of themselves and having to kind of deal with sexism. So that's kind of what I was getting at. I think I'm really able to like pick apart the meanings of her lyrics and get some metaphors out of it that maybe somebody with different life experiences wouldn't really be able to. So. That's a good point. And we'll get to the lyrical content because mm-hmm. one of the things that shined through for me, you know, if we're going to compare Fiona to kind of the other women that were in that same rock scene at the time, you know, mm-hmm. we're talking about Alanis Morissette, mm-hmm. Tori Amos, or, you know, even St. Vincent later on, like, all of these women have, are great players, but Fiona's lyrics just shine through as like, just no holds barred, just like every throwing everything at the wall and like steam with sticks. And mm-hmm. later on after the debut, that is some of my favorite material. I would have to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Um, so you guys want to do the, like ranking the five right away? I would, be, I yeah. would want to. Yeah. Cause I already have a ranking in mind. I have for a while. Mm-hmm. yeah let's hear yours great i'm well, well one one thing i think we should do sorry keep holding it back michael okay. but i think one thing we should do and uh brie if you can kind of help with this uh i think it's kind of important to like some everyone might not fully understand who fiona apple is and kind of where she comes from mm-hmm. but i talked a bit about like a lot of what she writes about and some of her own personal experiences but um before we kind of dive into the acts like the real meat of this episode the music itself um, you should probably understand a little bit more where she kind of some kind of biographical information kind of before she yeah. um, got into the music, like how she got into the music mm-hmm. industry. Because she was very young when, yeah. when she started just playing, writing music. Yeah, and that's because there's a there's a generational history of musical talent in her family. Um, like I said, she was classically trained on piano by the time she was around eight. But her mom is a singer and her dad is an actor. Her parents actually met because they were cast in the same Broadway musical. (laughs) So, um, but it goes back as far as her grandparents too, Um, her maternal grandparents specifically. Her grandma was a dancer and her grandpa was a big band vocalist. Um, And her sister is also a cabaret singer, I believe. So she was surrounded by music um, all throughout her childhood. She grew up in Manhattan. Um, And so, So I don't want to give off the impression that she was some industry plant. It was a genuine interest that she just developed over time. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and, and she started, uh, she got into the music industry itself though, really young too. Like, uh, I want to say, I can't remember the guy who discovered her, but um, she had sent in a demo when she was like 16, 17 years old. Yes. Yeah, so her debut album title was written when she was a teenager. Yeah, I think by the time title came out or her debut, that was she was about only nineteen or something ridiculous. Yep. So um, I don't know, just just being a just being a young woman, young <sighs> person in general, navigating that world. At that yeah, time. 
you know, it must have been mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, when they were recording her debut, I remember reading that she felt almost as if the musicians there recording the album with her were paid off to be there because she just felt like this stupid little kid. And they were like real musicians, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it was definitely mm-hmm. intimidating, to say mm-hmm. the least. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we already talked a lot of our experiences kind of going into... Uh, kind of going into her you know introduction to the music world mm-hmm. um you know what 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 do you think kind of um and michael if you want to chime in too here like um kind of you know we've mentioned her songwriting i think what specifically about her about her lyrical content and you know about just how she approached songwriting and some of her early examples of that like how that kind of six set her apart already from other peers at the time mm-hmm um, did you want to go first, Michael, or? I'll have you go first, because I got to think about that. Okay. Yeah, so basically, every song of hers feel feels like slam poetry to me. It is a stream of consciousness, but she uses a lot of literary techniques in her style. So she is, you can tell just from uh, reading her lyrics that she is a very introspective person. And she analyzes every facet of her own inner monologue, basically, to kind of express how she feels in certain situations. And I think that is confrontational in its own way, in a way that other artists maybe aren't. Like, she's very upfront with her opinions and what she thinks. And she's honest in a way that's still artistic. So it doesn't get too simplistic. Like, she's not just going to straight up tell you. Like, this is the message of the song. But she illustrates it in so many different ways that by the end of it, you can kind of understand the message once all the pieces are kind of put together. So mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it really unique. Yeah. I think, you know, we're going to talk a lot about um, just who, you know, how she acts as a person. Mm-hmm. Because I, we watched tons of interviews preparing for this episode. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, defining traits I think she has is like, you can tell. She's a composer. She's a musical genius. There's constantly something going through her head. Just the way I see it in her and other artists kind of in the same facet where like she's like she kind of doesn't really come to a full sentence. And then she's like, well, maybe this is the this is what mm-hmm. maybe this is why I wrote it. Like mm-hmm. she it doesn't just like there's no reason behind it. It just comes, you know, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about the reason why she her albums have such a long span in between them. She said once that like she'll only write the music when she really wants to do it. Like yeah. when it comes, um, she's not doing it to stay in the music business or to appeal to anybody. Mm-hmm. It's just if it comes, it comes. You know, mm-hmm. every, after every album, I think she said like, I don't know if I'll ever write music again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really just depends. Mm-hmm. I think is a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Pretty much what I was going to say, Michael. So. Um, yeah, I don't have much to add to that other than I think she has, you know, she ha- I think she has a stream of consciousness, but I think that's a little, to me at least, I think that's a little too sim- a simplified way of putting it. I think she has, she, she def- there's definitely a lot of, well I, well, I don't doubt that like inspiration comes to her when it does, but mm-hmm. I think it is that stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. She has just this wonderful poetic way of kind of organizing it while also staying blunt and just forceful in the way she delivers mm-hmm. some of these really just powerful mm-hmm. messages. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I definitely just hear all her frustration and her anger and her 
you know, sor- sorrow and, um, you know, all these negative emotions. I think she really has just a really interesting, articulate way of mm-hmm. kind of expressing that. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's something that really, that's something I picked up on really quickly. And I think that's, and then, and you know, I'll give examples of that like, as, we, as we go through just biography. But I think that's something I think really, mm-hmm. um, really got to me mm-hmm. quite a bit. Yeah, her all of her ideas are very clearly spur of the moment. Like, I need to express a certain emotion and message right now in this moment. So I'm going to write because that's my outlet. But she is still deliberate at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I agree. Yeah. All right. You guys ready to get into some albums or do you have any more questions? I, I think I'm good. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think the album record is a good idea, Michael, because, mm-hmm. I mean, this she only has five records. So no one can know really comes to She's been releasing albums since 1996, but. Her 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 releases tend to be sparse, and like Michael said, we'll get to that later. But, mm-hmm. um, but each album have their kind of their own characteristics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know if you'll agree to this, Michael, or not. Not a really bad. Like she is mm-hmm. such a power. <laughs> she's such a great songwriter. She's such a, such an amazing artist. You really these once in a blue moon records are. Definitely, there's a reason why there's a lot of hype when a Fiona Apple record comes out because mm-hmm. I, she she's a just a gen, she's a fantastic talent. Everyone knows we're gonna get something good, mm-hmm. and I think album rankings tend to be very subjective. I feel on here, it really depends on what kind of fan you are, is which ones are gonna be ranked higher or lower. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know who wants to go first. I, I think the guest, as always. <laughs> okay, so for me, it goes. So from my favorite to my least favorite, but like we said, none of them are bad. So the ones at the bottom really, it doesn't say anything negative about them. But so for me, it goes, number one is When the Pawn. Number two is Title. Number three is Extraordinary Machine. Fourth is Vegetable Cutters. And last is um, Idler Wheel. Wow. <laughs> okay. Mine is like, oh, wow. Mine is like a complete mirror. I'm sorry. <laughs> But yeah, I agree with you, Brie. Like, none of these albums are bad in my eyes. Like, they all just have, like, their different reasons for propelling each other above each other. Mm-hmm. So mine would actually go The Idler Wheel, When the Pawn, Bolt Cutters, Tidal, and then Extraordinary Machine. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Um, mine's, I think, slightly different than your guys' too, because, again, I I was surprised. I was expecting When the Pawn to be number one, but actually, I have to listen to it. Extraordinary Machine. Extraordinary Machine actually topped my list, followed by When the Pawn. Um, I guess, I guess Fetch the Bullfighters would come next, then Title, uh, Title and Bullfighters kind of flip flop, and then Idler Wheel to bottom. Hmm. But um, so, um, and, and I'm sure we'll get to that album and kind of differing opinions there. Um, yeah. Get to it, but. Um, now that we cut, but now that you kind of have an idea of where we're coming from on these uh, overall opinion on these records, um, real would be so, de- I didn't realize it'd be so divisive. <laughs> I think this is tr- going to be true for every Fiona Apple fan, right? Like they all have their own albums. Yeah, for sure. Because even though, like I said earlier, they all have very similar themes, the sound and the overall feel is still very distinct from album to album. And obviously that has a lot to do with the fact that they are spread apart over different periods of Fiona's life. Title is very raw because that's when she was the youngest and first starting to write music. And she was going through a lot of emotional turmoil, like in the moment. And she was feeling very vulnerable. Um, but then 
there is such a contrast between her mental state from that album to Bowl Cutters, like the most recent one. That one, that one is much more reflective and easygoing. So it makes sense to me that everybody kind of has their own personal favorite. So I, without further ado, I think we just just jump right in. You mentioned title. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, is there anything else you want to say before we move on? No, I'm ready. What did you guys think of title? Uh, I guess I'll start. So title released 1996, uh, first record. Um, you said she's 19 when this album came out and yeah, you, this is probably, I don't want to say the simplest her sound would be, but I I think raw is a pretty good, especially emotionally and lyrically. It's Mm -hmm. pretty raw. She doesn't, she, she kind of leaves it all on the table there. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of, it's, it, well, well, you definitely do get other instruments. You definitely do get a lot of other elements. Production is great, especially for a first you know, record. I think a lot of it is just kind of her and piano and kind of letting her voice carry that record. I think vocally, this is probably, maybe one of the pawn too, but I think vocally, title is probably her strongest record. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you definitely just hear this young person, this young woman just, just, belting every wrong that's been thrown at her mm-hmm. throughout her young life so mm-hmm. far and that's that's kind of my overall impressions of title yeah it is very strong and iconic but it's also very brooding a lot of it is just yeah. so brooding because while this album was being made like i said she was uncomfortable around all the musicians that were recording it with her because she was like i'm not in the scene i'm not like a real musician and she also was surrounded by older men and producers that she didn't even sometimes feel comfortable sitting around because she, uh, you know, in her adolescence had been raped by an older man. So, um, and at the same time that she was in LA making this album, she was also developing eating disorder that is was arguably triggered by her assault because at the age she was assaulted, she was around puberty. And so I remember reading that she was like, well, if I don't have curves, then there's less for predators to grab, essentially. So she didn't eat as much and she became really thin. She had very particular eating habits. Sometimes she wouldn't eat things that were a certain color. It, there was just a lot of inner neuroses going on at that time. But she also has maintained that she wasn't anorexic. So the quote from a Rolling Stone interview she did in 98 is I definitely did have an eating disorder. What was really frustrating for me was that everyone thought I was anorexic and I wasn't. I was just really depressed and self-loathing. So that's what I mean when I say it was probably triggered by past experiences. It She had body issues, not because she wanted to be skinny for superficial reasons, but because she didn't want to have the same body type essentially as when she was assaulted. It just had this really profound impact on her when it came to her own self-conception and self-image. So there was so much going on going into this album. And I'm definitely sure that it influenced how she came off in her writing and vocally as well. There's a lot of crooning, but there's also parts where it straight up just sounds like she's about to cry. Um, And that makes a lot of sense given what was happening at the time. So, yeah. You guys have some favorite tracks you want to shout out? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um sure well do uh do, do, do you have anything you want to say about title specifically i want to hear your guys's favorite tracks first and then i'll give my opinion okay mm-hmm. interesting okay so well for me um 
you know, speaking about that uh, sexual assault, um, Stalin Girl was definitely one that stood out to me because of that. I think, from my understanding, as much as we've kind of talked about it, she she didn't like to write about it very much, from my understanding. And I, I think mm-hmm. I sort of quote, she's like, it's an old pain, it's a tired pain. It's just like, she's not one she was really interested in revisiting that much. Mm-hmm. However, you, there's definitely at least allusions to it in some of her songs. And mm-hmm. Sullen Girl is probably the most direct she ever kind of wrote about mm-hmm. that experience. Um, you know, there is... I remember the line. Go ahead. What's the line? He took my pearl and washed me ashore. Mm-hmm. And then I believe it's also something to the effect of he left me an empty shell of myself. Yes. Essentially. So that is clearly a metaphor about her assault. And she went on to clarify that in an interview, which was the first interview that she had ever mentioned her assault publicly. Yeah. But she just, I remember her saying that she just figured she might as well just come out and address it yeah. instead of acting as if it was something that she should be embarrassed and ashamed about because often victims are meant to feel that way. And that's why they don't speak mm-hmm. out at all. But she knew that people were going to be pressing her on it yeah. because it's her debut album. And everyone wants to know, oh, what's the song mean? What's the song mean? So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was that line and then kind of a, a couple lines above it. There's also a satellite they called me Sullen Girl, Sullen Girl. They don't don't know. I used to sail, sail a deep and tranquil sea. You know, I think kind of, you know, people want, like, you know, there's a lot of and there's a lot of reasons why she was again sad during this time. But this is probably one of them trying to deal with the grief of that situation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was one that definitely uh, got me. The first taste, honestly, I think it's an underrated track on here. Um, it has this great tempo and rhythm underneath these clinky pianos uh, over, like, kind of underneath her, like, this kind of brooding, crooning. Uh, it's really, it's a really cool contrast. And musically, while it didn't really do a great deal to me, lyrically, I love Pale September. I think that's a great example for poetic songwriting, kind of about finding love and uh, kind of also losing it eventually as well. Um, realizing a relationship isn't gonna last or whatever. Um, you know, kind of comparing love and her emotions to the change of the seasons and how, you know, the right person can make you feel better, um, but might eventually be the undoing of that as well. So mm-hmm. I, I think she, she well, she definitely um, talks a lot about abusive relationships on this record. And I think um, really important to talk about, I think, um, that's not everything, even during this time that she was about. She was able to kind of diverge a bit, I think, in her mm-hmm. abilities as well. So mm-hmm. those are some of my highlights as well, beyond like some of the singles like Shadowboxer and mm-hmm. um, uh, Criminal. Mm-hmm. My favorite track from title is Without a Doubt, Sleep to Dream. It is a bitterly poetic song about gaslighting, 100%, about being with somebody who constantly invalidates your feelings and your own version of reality. Um, 
And that's clear just from the opening lines. I tell you how I feel, but you don't care. I say, tell me the truth, but you don't dare. It's, um, it alludes a lot to being someone that is very, being with somebody that is very narcissistic. Um, you got your head in the clouds and you're not at all what you seem. So being faced with somebody that constantly puts up this grandiose facade of themselves. Um, but it's also about reclaiming autonomy after going through all of that manipulation. You know, this mind, this body, and this voice will not be stifled by your devious ways. It is just really powerful. And I think that it really does send a good message because it's empowering to people who feel as if maybe in the past their own control and individuality was taken away from them by somebody else. I tell you how I feel, but you don't care. I say, tell me the truth, but you don't dare. You say love is a hell you cannot bear. And I say, give me my back and then go there for all I care. I got my feet on the ground and I don't go to sleep to dream. You got your head in the clouds, you're not at all what you seem. This mind, this body, and this voice cannot be stifled by your TV. give my impressions now and i'll focus on music just since you guys focused a lot lyrically because mm -hmm. i can't imagine when this came out the public reaction it got just for like the mixture of genres like we mm -hmm. said there's jazz there's hip-hop there's like alt rock there's mm -hmm. like everything you need in it and i can hear like all the influences elton john patty smith john lennon like nina simone even like i can hear that in there too which is just amazing um and the way she can just bend the music around her vocals is what makes the like top tier moments for me. Like it's really like when the songs end, actually, when she's like stripping away each melody and each instrument, when you kind of see like, oh, my God, this is like a composer where you're looking at here, you know. And I think my favorite track is actually like Slow Like Honey, because it just it moved me way more than I thought it would like. Mm -hmm. The piano phrasing is just gorgeous. And uh, this may be the first time, like I've favorited like the slow song on an album. And I'm like, I'm really glad this is the first time that happened because like Slow Like Honey, it was just like, it's just insanely gorgeous. And like a, just a really sharp and just like amazing song. Like I said, I love this album a lot. Uh, personally, I can't put it above like some of the other ones we're going to talk about later because 
I, maybe it's like what you're saying, Brie, where like, it feels like there's a filter there because she's surrounded by all these producers Mm -hmm. and people that have done this for so long. It feels like there's something being held back, Mm -hmm. which is going to be like totally, um, you know, breaking, broken down, like all those barriers in later releases. So Mm -hmm. for those reasons and those reasons alone, I would put it lower, but like still just like, I can't imagine, like I said, what this album was when it came out, because you'll never hear another mixture of genres in this way ever. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that would probably be mine. Um, Um, Well, before we talk about the next album, I think there's a certain, there is a famous moment um, in in 90s music history that come in between the release of uh, Tidal and When the Palm, the next album, particularly to do with the MTV Music Awards. Was it the MTV Music Awards? Yes, it was the MTV Year Awards. So uh, in 1997, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, um, I, I can't remember which award she won. Best new artist. Best new artist. Thank you. Uh, hopefully not. Clearly, uh, with any indication, not as cursed as the infamous Grammy new artist award that comes out every year. Thankfully, uh, we still got plenty of Fiona after this. But yeah, she made uh, when she won when she won that award. Uh, she went up and made a famous speech mm-hmm. there as well. And I'll, I'll let you continue, Brie. So. This was in 97, right after Tidal came out. And again, there was this feeling of otherness. She did not feel as if she belonged with this crowd of people that was all like dressed up. And it just, my impression is that she really just got this superficial, fake, disingenuous feel from the whole gathering that was there of people from the music industry. She didn't expect to win the award. And when she did, she felt as if she was meant to play this role of a sellout that was pretty and perfect and rich. <laughs> um, she had been drinking that night, but I still think she was pretty coherent because she was just saying what was on her mind um, at the time. She just didn't feel like she fit in and wanted to make that abundantly clear to everybody that was there. She's one of those artists where she doesn't attempt to be a role model for anybody. She doesn't want people to look up to her and idolize her in this way that we tend to sometimes do with musicians that end up making um, iconic pieces of work. So I think it's, I think it's just amazing. <laughs> um, did you have any choice lines from the, from the speech as well? Choice lines, yeah. Oh yeah, um, this world is bullshit. <laughs> Um, clearly she's referring to obviously the music industry, but also the entertainment and celebrity sphere in general. Mm -hmm. She, like I said, you know, she told people like, you shouldn't model your lives after what you think we think is cool. So, you know, don't imitate people just because they're famous. Um, I think that's a really good message. (laughs) You know, and it's interesting to me when I hear that, because the reason I wanted to highlight that a lot, because I think it just speaks to a lot who Fiona Apple is. You know, because you hear a lot of celebrities, a lot of musicians, even in songs like uh, amazing, just the way you are, don't mm-hmm. be yourself, whatever. And it always feels contrived mm-hmm. coming from a lot of them because, mm-hmm. you know, I, you just never get the feeling that they're being genuine. Like they, it's because it, it's easy for them to say because they're huge and they're famous and they and had to like model themselves in a way that's like you know, try to kind of fit an image. But Inspirational, with, yeah. Yeah, but with Fiona, I mean, there's no, I mean, there's no, there's, there's no qualms with that, with saying that, no, that, 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 that it is genuine. Like, you know, that's, like she, that's how she lives her life. That's how she kind of carries herself, both with her music and just her own personal life. So mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, with everything she was dealing with, and you'll probably kind of 
being like she got a, probably a bag of goods, I would, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of you know, in being thrown into the music world that young. I there is no doubt at all that that is what she believed. That is what mm-hmm. she thought, and mm-hmm. you know, I think unlike a lot of the other times when celebrities kind of give those messages, you know, she was genuine, and it comes mm-hmm. off as actually a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts about that, Michael? No, I'm I'm ready to launch into the next one because um, I think after the MTV Music Awards, she that was like her way of just saying like letting go goodbye to the music industry. I'm going to do my own thing now. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know do, who wants to go first. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I'll continue conversation. We're going to one the pond dot, dot, dot. I won't say the whole title. Cause it, um, well, I'll just put it this way for at least for a good seven or eight years after, um, from when this album was released. Uh, this album had the Guinness Book of World Record for the longest album title in the uh, in the history of music. Uh, <laughs> adapted from uh, like a poem she wrote. Yes, it's an entire, the whole title is the poem that she wrote. Yeah. <laughs> in response to some negative magazine mm-hmm. reviews she was getting for her music at the yeah. time. I believe it was Spin Magazine. It was kind of meant to be this yeah. sassy little thing. Um, yes. <laughs> um, yes, and um, so yeah, that, that's that's the title of the record. Most people just call it Lynn Lapon. Mm-hmm. So go with that. It's released in 1999. I think this is during a time when she was dating a famous uh, music director, like video director. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Um, mm, I don't remember his name either. But um, so some of the lyrics do reflect that new relationship. Mm-hmm. Obviously still talking about a lot of past experiences. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me already, you don't get a huge drastic shift in sound, but you, there are definitely some notable changes. For me, the production is where this album really shines through mm-hmm. um, because I, we, we already, we've both kind of already mentioned the piano playing a bit here, but I, I think she's a great pianist and the production really helps her a bit here because now these, I, I, I was kind of just talking to Bree before we started and when I was, I, I mentioned the, the, the album opener on the bound uh, as the piano is sounding tank-like when they come in. They're just heavy and loud and just just in your face. They have just a lot of force behind them. And I love when piano is produced like that. Um, you know, just giving so much weight, you know, and honestly, it kind of helps On the Bound being my favorite Fionnapolis song. If I had to pick one, I think it's that one. It has this just great, just swagger to it, this rhythm. And, you know, it's She's great lyrics as well, and you know she's screaming and crooning a lot. Like she has this great, um, uh, just way to scream like yours, you know, kind of in the chorus. It's awesome, and uh, I think this really, to me at least, uh, this really helps kind of set it above title a bit. Um, you know, kind mm-hmm. of just it's just kind of taking what title was and really just building on that mm-hmm. in every single aspect.
you know, um, To Your Love also is a standout track to me. Uh, Limp is another, I think, a great song about gaslighting as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of talking, like having, she kind of really lays out the scenario where like the abuser, um, uh, brain, <laughs> where the abuser, um, you know, is kind of, kind of both the, uh, his significant others, abuser and her, um, and her lover in a way, um, mm-hmm. cause like, kind of giving her a lot, like putting her down a lot, but then also filling her up again, filling her up again. Mm -hmm. So she feels like she's dependent on him for that affection to make herself feel better when in reality, Mm -hmm. he's the one also causing her pain. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, and there's just, I I, I don't want to like, just, if I had to give every highlight here, I'd pretty much be naming off whole record. I mean, this Mm -hmm. album is as solid as you can get. Mm -hmm. Um, I know this is, only my second favorite, but it's not really by much. Like this is just probably some of the best stuff she would ever write, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason why I personally ranked When the Pawn Above title is honestly just a tempo preference. Um, there's a lot of really slow, ruminating uh, moments on title, but in this album, there are no breaks. Like you just go and then it's done. <laughs> like um, it's very fast paced. And I enjoy that a lot because yeah. just for me, it's more engaging. Um, but my favorite track from this album is Without a Doubt Paper Bag. It, I'm going to go into lyrical themes again. I'm really into poetry. So I feel like whenever I talk about her work, I constantly talk about the lyrics. So I hope that's not a problem. Oh, no, um, Paper Bag is about setting these high idealistic expectations for a potential relationship. And falling in love with who you think the person is that you're so desperate to be with. And then you're being confronted with the bitter reality of how they actually are once you get yeah. close enough to them. So the well, way that, what? Well, I was going to say, so wasn't she inspired by like, uh, didn't she like when she was like riding the car with her dad? Yeah. And she saw, saw what she thought was a dove, a white dove, mm-hmm. but it was actually a plastic bag, but she used paper bag because it just, she just thought it sounded yeah. better, which yeah. I agree. Yeah. Does. And, Obviously, he's thinking, oh, it's a dub. Oh, oh no, it's, it's not. Just yes. Literal. <laughs> like, yeah. It, it represents that. Yeah, it definitely. Yeah, because the lines are parallel to each other. I thought it was a bird, but it was just a paper bag. That is in direct conjunction with, I thought he was a man, but he was just a little boy. So mm-hmm. it's super powerful. But it also touches on feeling like a burden in a relationship where somebody else has power over you. There are allusions to... I'm not going to say anorexia because she doesn't like to call herself anorexic, but there are allusions to an eating disorder. Hunger hurts, but I want them so bad it kills. Um, starving works when it costs too much to love. Um, it's just, she just, clearly the, clearly she felt like she had too much emotional baggage to really carry a relationship at the time, but she still selfishly just kind of wanted it anyway. Yeah. Um, but there is a little bit of levity briefly in the song because one of my favorite lines of hers ever is he said it's all in your head and i said so's everything but he didn't get it <laughs> so it clearly shows that they are not compatible she is a very mm-hmm. um deep and in like i said introspective person and clearly the person that she wants is too shallow to really be on her same wavelength Mm-hmm. um because she's referring to the idea of solipsism right like everything our entire experience is only in our head it's only in our brain we only know what we can consciously experience and so that's what she means when she's like well yeah 
it's all in my head. Well, so is everything, but mm -hmm. he doesn't get it. I'm really glad we have you here, Brie, because <laughs> that's a great dissection of all those lyrics. I, I can't really add on much more other than like, I can tell that those barriers I was talking about earlier that were on title are just kind of broken down now. And she's just putting it all forward. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and the music matches up well too. It's, it's the piano is just darker. The tone is darker. Like it, it's weird. It's heart wrenching. It's raw. And it, it just like, it's kind of taking title and flipping it, mirroring it, but also just like improving on every aspect that made title good. And yeah, I think if I was to pick a favorite track, I would go with Get Gone. I mean, That's a great one. Yeah. And you'll just know what I mean when I'm saying like all those barriers are broken down when you listen to that song. Like she gets so passionate towards the second half and like unapologetic with the lyrical content. How many times can it escalate? Till it elevates to a place I can't breathe And I must decide If you must arrive Then I'm much obliged To up and go I'll idealize and realize it's no sacrifice because a price is paid and there's nothing left to grieve Fucking go Cause I've done what I could for you And I do know what's good for me And I'm not benefiting Instead I'm sitting When the Pawn, I think if I was to do like an overall, um, it's definitely like the best songwriting I think Fiona's ever done. Like it, it but still she's able to, with all of these personal experiences going into these lyrics, she still somehow makes it relatable to like everybody. And it's like, it's really amazing the amount of ambiguity she can give and take from each of these songs mm -hmm. um just enough to put it in that sweet spot where like those lyrics just hit you in just the right way for some reason mm -hmm. um yeah that would be my review um mm -hmm. it's not peak fiona apple we'll get to that at least in my opinion but like i said best songwriting on this album i think yeah um, you know, I, I, th I think again, I already said before, but I'll say it again. I think that's really where she's like, she's a great voice I mean, she's a great crone. She didn't even do have a great yell, but I think really where she excels the most is her songwriting. I think that's, I, I think we've already established that enough. She's a great lyricist. And I think even, you know, just with all these great tempos and rhythms and these piano riffs, I think she really, this is where she 
I think that's just the area she excels in. Do would you both agree with that? Yeah. Cool. Well, <laughs> um, well, uh, I, I guess uh, you guys have anything else you want to say about this record before we move on? I don't think so. No, I'm excited to get to this next one though because I think it's going to be divisive for yeah. us. So yeah. I want Brie to start because you said this was the first one you heard, Fiona. Well, yeah. Well, before we get to that though, I should say because we're like. This is where we start to see a huge jump and gap between albums. Like yeah. between when the pawn and title, that was about three years, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, even back then, that was that wasn't too out of the ordinary. Um, we're t- we're going from ninety nine to what two thousand five to us. Yeah. So that that's a span of six years, mm-hmm. and it, the gaps between records only get longer from here. And you know, she, you know, and you mentioned this earlier, Michael it's interesting because she writes when she wants to basically mm-hmm. um and when she feels the need to that's when she does she doesn't want to do it just you know keep releasing records which um i i think is totally commendable and uh that's and that's kind of what you get i think that's kind of what contributes to these long gas between releases i don't know does that do you think that's a fair assessment for you yeah yeah i definitely do um, the feel is hundred percent different. I mean, the, like I said, the themes are similar, but I think the overall sound is a bit brighter. Yeah. It's a little bit more playful. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so extraordinary machine is the, the title track was the very first Fiona Apple song I ever heard. And that was the reason that I liked it so much because it did seem playful. And within the context of the documentary I watched, I understood why Aaron felt it was his theme song mm-hmm. because he was also this really brilliant, eccentric creative. Like I said, he was a co-founder of Reddit. Yeah. He also invented the Creative Commons licensing system um, when he was fairly young. So uh, it gets into these themes of being this person that's very much you know, in your own head and um, wants, but at the same time, wanting everybody to understand you and how unique yeah. you are. Um, I think that's definitely what Extraordinary Machine is about. Yeah. Um, I certainly haven't been shopping for any new shoes And I certainly haven't been spreading myself around I still only travel by foot and by foot it's a slow climb But I'm good at being uncomfortable so I can't stop changing all the time I notice that my opponent is always on the go Go slow so as not to focus And I notice He'll let you ride with any guide As long as they go fast From whence he came But he's no good at being uncomfortable So we can't stop staying exactly the same If there was a better way to go Then it would find me I can't help it The road just rolls out behind me Be kind to me are treating me mean I'll make the most of it I'm an extraordinary machine But it does get a little bit more serious thematically as the record goes on mm-hmm. with songs like Get Him Back which is again revisiting this theme of abusive relationships but from yeah. a different perspective 
because the song lyrically doesn't seem like the narrative is I am currently in this situation. It seems as though she's reflecting afterwards. And my, uh, I'm going to analyze another line again, because this is what I always do with her. Um, I think he let me down when he didn't disappoint me. So I think that that is alluding to after having all of these bad experiences with men, even when you find one that doesn't treat you badly, it feels foreign because you're so used to going through the same old routine of like Mm -hmm. shittiness, basically. So he didn't disappoint me, but I still feel let down just because. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think that um, she's clearly at a different point in her life when it comes out and it's apparent through Every song, really, I think. Yes. <laughs> you mind if I go next, Andrew? Yes, please do. Okay. I, so I agree with everything you just said, Bray. And, like, I'll start with the bad first because there's a lot more good than bad. Like I said, all these albums are great in their own way. Mm-hmm. There's just, like, a few reasons why this one somehow took the bottom for me. Like, I, it feels like Fiona put that it, – it's all in production, really. It feels like the pop star filter is back over it again just um, with the kind of the sparkly, pristine production that got behind it and the playfulness. The songs, I think, start to blend together after a while. There's there's not really some these sonic nuances that she brings on, um, you know, Idle Wheel that puts distinctions between the songs for me. So as I was listening to this, it was like, oh, did the song change? Like, I have to go back and see, like, which one did I just listen to, you know? The instrumental landscape just... I don't know what it was. It was just very desert to me, but that's not to say that the lyrics in any way were put down. Like that's what brought it back up for me. Like the lyrical content didn't take a dive. It's more positive. It's uplifting. It's spiritual. It, I think she said in an interview, like at this point, she's starting to like write to give each like herself pep talks almost. And like, I, I really find that inspiring. And there was some good messages about overcoming obstacles and reaching your potential. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for that reason alone, I think this album is still worth a visit for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't what Fiona geared me up to listen to with the first two releases. So it just kind of like came out of the corner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I enjoyed Oh Well a lot just because for mm-hmm. some reason it reminded me of a Smith song, even though it didn't sound like the Smiths whatsoever. But like, yeah, that one was really good. And there's other great highlights on this track that I, I know Andrew's going to touch on. But yeah, that's my overall impression. Somehow it made the bottom for me, but it's still worth like a listen. No doubt in my mind. If I ever thought a Fiona Apple song sounded like the Smiths, I would hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, oh God, this sounds like the Smiths. but um even though i ranked title above extraordinary machine i think it's funny what you say about the songs blending together because the very first time i listened to title all the way through i felt that way about carrion and the child is gone i was Mm -hmm. like this is the same shit it's just super slow still and she's still just going (laughs) um but with extraordinary machine i feel like there is contrast next to tracks because like window is super impactful and it's much more, um, mm-hmm. it's much more animated than like Waltz, which comes I think after right before. Um, so Waltz I don't is a know. Few tracks down, but... Okay, yeah, after. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I I do get that because of the kinds of instrumentation that yeah. are there. They are less varied than her other two albums, so I understand. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't think they melt together as much for me. But again, that's probably just because it's the first album I ever heard from her, and so I was like super like excited and i was probably paying more attention because of that 
because I was super curious to hear what each song sounded like. That's mm -hmm. probably just why they sound more yeah. distinct to me. It's really subjective. So yeah, and uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, I wasn't sure you're going to feel about this one, Michael. Um, you know, and you know, I'm not like super surprised. This is kind of how you ended up feeling about the record. Um, instrumentally, I can't see why it blends together, and I uh, I can't say it's. I definitely can't say it's not a valid um, critique. I, I I definitely noticed that a little bit too. The reason why I put this as my favorite is I just I think what was there is just fantastic. You definitely got. I think there is definitely plenty of variety. Um, both, especially lyrically, but I think instrumentally, you definitely do have some of those faster, waltzier kind of rhythmic songs. And then you some of your more slow burners, definitely some with more groove. Um, mm -hmm. You already talked at length about the title track um, and Get Him Back, which are two of my highlights, so I won't go into that any further. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think Windows Great, Oh Well, is awesome mm -hmm. too. I think I kind of like the the the, the, the talk about it. It's about uh, dating a guy who cheats on you. Um, which track? Oh Well. Yeah. yeah so um, kind of more about that, but um, I think we kind of both alluded, and while it's really important, I think, especially for her person, I would imagine, to kind of write about these abusive themes and kind of getting all that out there, you're definitely starting to see her break away. And I, I think that's really cool, too, because, you know, you it shows that she has just a wide breadth of abilities to write about stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, something that really got to me, though, was, um, you know, Extraordinary Machine had that great positive message of almost like, like, you, I love the idea you know, describing as a, as a personal pep talk, Michael. I think that's not what that song's about. Talking about, I'm an extraordinary machine. I can do a lot of things. I think it was kind of for coping with, I imagine I had to do coping again with all the isolation that she was feeling around that yeah. time. Yeah, it's about being self-sufficient mm -hmm. and comfortable in your own skin, yeah. which is also important coming out of those relationships. So I agree with you. I think she's holding on to her mm -hmm. individuality. And yeah. I think she's definitely farther along by this album in the journey of like processing yeah. trauma. Essentially. Yeah. And um, please, 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 um, which I thought was a Beatles oh, cover, no. for instance, for, for a second before I realized, no, it's please, please no. me. <laughs> um, oh, God, no. But. Uh, <laughs> Do you imagine? Like the whole record, she just started talking about deep stuff, right? And then all of a sudden, please, please, <laughs> I can't please you. No, uh, that's definitely, like, that's the most un-Fiona thing I would ever even see. She conceive. did cover Across the Universe once. Is that is note. a much different song. It is a much <laughs> different song, but I do want to say, as a side note, great cover. Don't have to go look that one up. Um, but, no, please, 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 um, as my understanding, kind of talks about um, kind of, like, like, kind of her being t almost tired of, like, kind of, like, the, like hearing a lot of these I imagine it's the metaphor, you know, on the surface, talking about like she's tired of all these same melodies. Probably it might be about her, like for me, frustrated with her songwriting or the music industry, but it could probably both be a metaphor for something a little like more deeper than that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised though, and granted, I don't think she probably wrote in response uh, to uh, how this album kind of came to be. Because while, mm -hmm. um, well, it is true that she does like to take long breaks starting at this point between records, there was some issues getting this record off the ground. Mm -hmm. um, I know Epic just wasn't really interested in this from my understanding. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't want to release it. This album was almost shelved for a long time because they didn't think it was commercial enough mm -hmm. or whatever. But then, <laughs> uh, then there is this whole uh, campaign called Free Fiona, which you can actually go visit the, the website for this campaign to this day in all its 2005 glory. Um, and uh, yeah, pretty much fans started because leaks of this album came out and fans were like we want the record 
and uh, everyone started campaigning. They kept mailing foam apples <laughs> to Epic Records. It's like, you will not forget Fiona, free the album. And uh, so, you know, I think it just shows she has a really devoted fan base too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think this album, I think just for the variety that it gives, both in lyrical content and emotions that come with it, along with the music itself, um, I think it's why it puts me in number one. I just think the songwriting itself is it. I think this is at her peak. I think she just, I was just like, oh, let's just bang her after banger. I, I just think that I was surprised. I was expecting when the pond to top it, but no, I think this record just barely edges it out. I, I think this is worth mm-hmm. anyone's time of day. Mm-hmm. So, I think we got another kind of divisive one next because this one. <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So seven years after Extraordinary Machine in 2012, right, uh, yeah. comes Either Wheel, another really no near as long as When the Pomp, another kind of long album yeah. so, title. So we'll just call it Idler Wheel. Um, Michael, you put this at your top. Um, mm-hmm. We both put this at the bottom. <laughs> so we'll let you start. What, what, kind of describe what this record's like and why it was at the top for you. Let me tell you something, man. This is not just Pete Fiona. For me, this is like peak music. <laughs> like in 2012, <laughs> okay. started like no. Listen, she in 2012, I watched an interview. She said she started to feel like free when putting this together. Like mm-hmm. all bets were off, and the result was like some of the most dynamic and colorful music I've heard in like a long time. And I think colorful is like a really important word there because every track has its own like secret message in the instrumentation for me Mm -hmm. like let me let me put this in the right way uh like the drone kind of sound that it's underneath regret which is one of my favorites uh the children playing on werewolf the the junk and like table tapping percussion that's just all over it she's gonna Mm -hmm. experiment with that more on bolt cutters but like this is the first Mm -hmm. time she debuted it like these are are sonic like nuances and additions that separate the songs so nicely like they each have their own character for me and the lyrics of course are golden i think fiona is revisiting those intense emotional battles she had early on mm-hmm. um but the role record the whole record feels like she's about to explode at any second and and in sometimes she does um somehow though she still keeps the words witty relatable like you know that i get the same feeling that i did listening to when uh when the pawn and i love pretty much every track the one constant like instrumentation on the entire thing is just the sharp baroque style piano um which i'm usually not a fan of when i'm hearing it like you know in an elton john song or like a parlor music kind of thing but like when she's adding all of this really dry shoddy production on it it just like it propels it in a way i've never heard it before and um i think anything we want is probably my favorite one simply for that percussion
lyrics I, for me just I entered the spirit realm. It was crazy. I I I personally really love this one for all those reasons, but why do you guys put it at the bottom? Okay. I think my opinion on this album just comes down to two things, which is my personality and the way I listen to music. When I listen to music, I do not sit down. <laughs> I don't sit and like ponder it. I'm not like, ah, oh, yes, I'm going to take this in and digest it and process it over time. I will take a long nap after I'm finished with the record and then I will wake up and have my carefully formulated opinion. No, when I'm listening to music, I want it to be very punchy and I want it to like slap me in the face and be like, this is the message you're going to listen now. Cause even though I'm very good at like analyzing lyrics on the fly, I don't, I don't like, I don't know. I don't, don't ruminate about it. No, like not at all. I'm a very high energy person. I am addicted to caffeine. I speed all the time when I drive. Like I just want it to wake me up and hold my attention for like the entire time to the point where I don't even want to like pause it or anything. And when the pawn does that a lot more than something like either wheel. So that album is just like more my speed than this one. That's all. It's definitely obviously not bad, but it just meanders too much for me. This is probably the reason that I'm also related to punk. <laughs> um this album just it just goes on for it doesn't go on for a long time but in my brain it's still too long i'm like oh god the piano is good but it's like not as punchy as it used to be and it just goes on for a while and i'm just like eh. <laughs> every single night though i mean that i love that song so much oh my god that's the only thing i think that's one of the like three fiona apple songs i heard prior to listening to this mm-hmm. and i was looking for it and i finally found it Oh, there it is the chanting the acting oh my god i love yeah. it yes yeah that is like the one song that really um more so conforms to my taste off the entire album and i love it she almost has the same attitude that she did on title but the sound is just like really different i feel like mm-hmm. so that's probably why i really like that song and then the yeah. rest of it i'm just kind of like eh. <laughs> um i don't really have much to add um honestly though i'm not surprised this is how you feel michael i i, I had a sneaking suspicion that this one's gonna like, be your favorite um uh, yeah not, not not as a bad not not i don't mean that as a bad thing though i i definitely heard elements of like indie folk almost thrown in here at times especially with the opening track after single night um I uh, you know and i i really like the left alone that's probably my favorite off here i had a really cool rhythm to it um I, this tends to be like one of the like the least talked about, probably the least talked about uh, yeah. Fiona Apple record. I just want this one everyone people kind of I want to say forgets, but which is weird because I feel like because of its attitude, I feel like this should be like a music critic's favorite Fiona Apple record because they're like yeah. there's so much here, there's so much more to pick apart. And, and she I, is not as restrained as before and she is free to they always say shit like that so i feel like they should love this album but like yeah like you said nobody talks about it, it which which is a bit of a shame because again like yeah. i said earlier there's yeah. no bad feeling around no. apple record and i think there's definitely a lot to this record mm-hmm. i think this record has a lot to offer when i put it at the bottom i don't mean it as an insult Same. i think it, it it's i don't know to me it just doesn't speak to me it just doesn't do as much for me mm. as whatever i think there's a lot going for it but honestly i think she made bold, more bold music especially after this one mm-hmm. um this particular record than before mm-hmm. um and, and before as well uh than on this record so i don't know uh still really either wheel still really great everyone should just listen to everything fiona's done honestly if you have you haven't done already but um yeah, for me, it just doesn't hit as much as the other ones. So, mm-hmm. 
how are we going to start talking about bolt cutters? Because this one got <laughs> a lot of crazy reactions from fans, critics, yeah. everything. I mean, I remember so, when Fantano reviewed this and he got uh, hit for months yeah. for giving it a seven. So I don't know. I, I want you to start, Bree. What do you think? Well, I think the melon was harsh because he's listened to so much music in his life. That's honestly just what I think. And that's what I think happens to a lot of music yeah. critics that just consume so much media that like eventually things that are really out of the box can sound samey to them, even if they're really not. Yeah. Because like the sound of bolt cutters is what I would have wanted Idler Wheel to be, honestly, because she uses the same kinds of techniques, but in a way that's still concise and punchy for a lot of the tracks for mm -hmm. me. So it still keeps my attention while kind of getting out of the realm of like traditional song structure. So, yeah. Yeah. This is a really interesting record to me, mainly because of when it was released because so for, I should also say another huge gap. We went from 2012 and now the wheel to last year, 20, 2020 um, was when uh, fetch the bolt cutters was released. Mm -hmm. Um, Right around the start of a certain yeah. little thing we're still going through right now called the coronavirus pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, this was this was I think a, a originally slated. I think she said it was supposed to like kind of build to his release and supposed to release kind of towards the end of 2020. Yep. Um, but then when this hit, she was like, "Wow, okay, um, I might as well. What, what am I gonna do? Well, how, what, I'm gonna tour on this? Okay." Um, she at least had some foresight there, and yeah. it was done. So she was like all right um interview she said all right why not i think mm -hmm. people really like if we add this record out right now um mm -hmm. so i think she released in what april i want to say Mar Around late march april yeah like and it got i would say mostly universal high praise i'm there were some dissenters we mentioned mm -hmm. fantano a minute ago but um pitchfork gave it a 10 out of 10 it's the first time they've done that in over a decade i think yeah um so this record got a lot of people talking. I know Fiona Apple gets some hype, but Fetch the Bolt Cutters, I think really just, just, just so I think kind of came out of nowhere, you know? Um, and it, it's so weird because you have this really kind of goofy like, album. Like the, the, even like the cover just feels kind of off. She has this, so she's, good. she's making this really, really, we have like the record over there. We're looking at it. She has this <laughs> really goofy face and there's like a, the head of like a dog peering out. It's like ribbons and this kind of cat paced out stuff. It's very different. I feel very different. Just even from that from all our other stuff and i think when you get to the music itself it kind of has to feel the cover does it mm -hmm. feels scrapbooky to me mm -hmm. it has this kind of thrown together motion but i do not mean that in a negative way at all because it's think, not incoherent no and it definitely doesn't lack structure in a way that doesn't seem intentional it this this album this, this album is amazing and I, I think because of those reasons and i don't know i, I think michael kind of already asked it but I'll, I'll i guess i'll reiterate it because i kind of interrupted uh but brie uh what what michael i think i'd love to hear your thoughts on this too why do you think this record got as much praise and hype that it did obviously part of the live is because of the uh, how great it is but do you think it also had something to do with when it was released yes, because of the pandemic definitely 
because the kind of music Fiona makes is really intimate and emotional and it's an experience. But at this era in her music, she was getting a little bit more positive and reflective with it. So I feel like people kind of anticipated the, the energy that was going to be on this album and we like needed it desperately at that time. Cause like, mm-hmm. this has definitely been one of my comfort albums for the entirety of 2020. It helps me cope like a lot with how I was feeling because it's fun. Even like, I know that like newspaper obviously gets really dark. Um, but besides that, it is a pretty like upbeat record and it's just, it's fun to listen to. Um, I, I think that definitely is why it got a lot of hype, but also I think it's because of what I was saying earlier, where it has similar elements of either wheel, but in a lot of ways it's experimental in a way that's more palatable to people. So I feel like it kind of melded those two worlds that she kind of had going on where Mm -hmm. she could write really succinct stuff, but she could also just completely let her mind run wild and come up with whatever. Yeah. And, but she kind of like brought those two things together for this entire album. Mm -hmm. I think that's why it really worked because it was still unique and it was still her, but it also was just like dynamic enough to keep you going throughout the entire thing, the entire runtime. Yeah. So, yes. You guys are touching on some really important stuff, and I totally agree with you. This album is a milestone. Mm-hmm. And Andrew touched on an important word, like scrapbook. Mm-hmm. I think this album is like a notebook of musical ideas that she's trying out and she's fussing out. I Let me put it this way. I put this album in the same pile that I put Cherry Bomb by Tyler, the Creator, uh, Pretty Hate Machine, Nine Inch Nails, Slated, Slanted and Enchanted, Pavement, like all of these records are unique and awesome in their own right. Um, but their bigger purpose is to put forth musical ideas that are capitalized on by a later release. And that later release is most likely a magnum opus. So mm-hmm. for Fiona's case, I love so many of the ideas on this record, the energy on relay. I'll be honest with you guys. I went to sleep last night and I had dreams of that song and I woke up with it, like still stuck in my head. Um, like it's super catchy, yeah. <laughs> so catchy. Evil is a relay spot when the one who's burned turns to pass the torch. Evil is a relay spot when the one who's burned turns to pass the torch. Evil is a relay spot when the one who's burned turns to pass the torch. Evil is a relay spot when the one who's burned turns to pass the torch. Evil is a relay spot when the one who's burned turns to pass the torch. Evil is a relay spot when the one who's burned turns to pass the torch. I resent you for being raised right. I resent you for being tall. I resent you for never getting any opposition at all. I'll resent you for having each other I'll resent you for being so sure I'll resent you presenting your life like a fucking propaganda brochure And I see that you keep trying to fade me And I love to get up in your face But I know if I hate you for hating me I will have entered the endless race Evil is a relay spark when the one The backing vocals, those angelic backing vocals on newspaper mm-hmm. The catchiness of like cosmonauts, I think that's a great one too. This is Fiona at her most mature, most creative, and most experimental, and I'm I am all for it. 
Um, mm -hmm. I, th I think some of the criticisms can be true. Like some of um, some of the ideas, of course, will fall on their face. Many of these songs feel incomplete. Uh, many more lack release to like a ton of built up tension. Um, for her, that song seems like more of a demo tape. And it, it, I think that the ending to the album was very strange as well. But all this being said, this is aesthetically my favorite album Fiona's put out. Um, I love the dry production, the shoddy percussion, the layered vocals, um, like the album cover suggests. And like Andrew said, it's a scrapbook. It's a notebook full of ideas. And I think she's she threw this out specifically in 2020 for people to, with the pandemic in mind, mm -hmm. for people to be able to digest it, think about it, and then give it, a, you know, maybe it'll be in 2025 or whatever it'll be. But like, mm -hmm. I think Fiona's magnum opus is still yet to come, which mm -hmm. makes me really excited. Interesting. Mm -hmm. there is, I do have a favorite track that I yes, like to I'm talk gonna about. Yes, I was going to say, we should talk about mm -hmm. our favorite tracks first before we move on. Mine is definitely Heavy Balloon. Um, I like the atmosphere of it, and I like that it talks about mental health and overwhelming emotions and mood swings. Um, Fiona has said that the meaning behind the song has to do when a boyfriend of hers was talking about his father's experience with depression and how he would kind of feel this burden welling up inside of him. Because, I mean, depression does that. It weighs you down. You don't want to get out of bed. You feel like you can't function. Mm -hmm. um, but it also has an uplifting element, too in a way that's like yeah. really endearing and cutesy actually the line i spread like strawberries i climb like peas and beans is just like very um it's a very nice illustration um of personal growth and fulfillment and kind of like rising above um negative things that could impact um your mindset mm -hmm. and i actually do plan on getting a tattoo inspired by the i spread like strawberries line <laughs> because it's just very it's just very nice and i think that it is very uplifting mm -hmm. and it gave me like i said it gave me a lot of comfort during the, the past year so. people like us get so heavy and so lost sometimes so lost and so heavy that the bottom is the only place we can find Get dragged down, down to the same spot enough times in a row The bottom begins to feel like the only safe place that you know But you know what? I spread like strawberries I climb like peas and beans I've been sucking it in so long That I'm busting at the seams I spread like strawberries That being said, do you guys have any more thoughts on bolt cutters? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess we'll give a couple of my highlights. So, I mean, really, this, this whole record, I think it's more of an experience I think you should mm -hmm. listen to. But uh, that's the bolt cutters and title track. I think it's really strong. I think it shows kind of that scrapbook. -y. From my understanding, she recorded this in her home. Um, I don't know if she has a home studio per se. I, but... I think she does, actually. Okay, well, um, well, you can definitely, because there's like a lot of like, Especially towards the end, it's a lot of sounds like for like for dog parking. parking. <laughs> you can actually, if you have like the like the, the like the record itself, a lot of like the inner notes. There's just pictures of her dogs in there, <laughs> and it's kind of cute. You hear them barking all over the place. It's a cute little like touch. I mean, again, I think it has some more. It gets more of that intimate feeling. Mm -hmm. um, you still definitely have a lot of her heavy themes on here. Um, you definitely hear so songs about like 
sexism kind of coming from different uh directions on songs like rock of his and ladies in particular mm -hmm. um but to me and she played this to me when we were like in the car mm -hmm. uh once uh last year at some point mm -hmm. i don't remember when but um we were driving and she put on newspaper because mm -hmm. i had yet to hear this record and she's like you need to hear the song at least and i was blown away i thought it had just great rhythm it just builds into this mm -hmm. terrifying crescendo mm -hmm. and it's about again about an abusive relationship but but a completely different aspect of it than she's ever talked about before. yeah um you, you told me it's kind of looking like from the outside in you know like mm -hmm. uh, a, a a person who's moved on from her abuser but uh, she now sees that the abuser is dating someone else, and she's concerned about what ex what pain and experience that new mm -hmm. uh, person in his life mm -hmm. might be going through, because mm -hmm. she knows that experience and has. Mm -hmm. You almost said it's like reading a newspaper article because she's reading, because she's just kind of like she's looking from the outside yeah. on that experience. Yeah. And she feels this weird vicarious connection to this new girl that he's with. That's why, which is why she's like, in my own way, I felt close to you. But it's just like, so that's mm -hmm. why I think it's so, the sound reflects how dark it is. It really just, yeah. it really does give me Nick Cave vibes. It's so ominous. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I really think it's really powerful. It's, um, it's my second favorite track on this album, next to Heavy Balloon. The way that I rank music is not like even objective. I always just go by my feelings. So the reason that Heavy Blue is my favorite is because like, I like the themes and it makes me happy. Even though newspaper is probably like objectively or whatever, like a better song. I don't know. I still like Heavy Blue better. <laughs> but yeah, I think it was very important for Andrew to have heard newspaper before he had heard the rest of the album. Cause I was like, this is just like, definitely for me, like the most impactful. Mm -hmm. And it's also one of the longer tracks on it. So I felt like it would give you it just, I don't know. It's definitely a standout track from the album. Yeah. Nice. Guys, I'm going to put in some final thoughts before we continue because I got mm -hmm. to reflect a little bit. I am so glad we did this episode because <laughs> I like Fiona Apple was one of those artists that was on my list to get into, but really low. And I don't know why that was the case. I think it was just it came up so recently with the release of the new album. Yeah. Like this is all music 
that I'm going to go back to. And it's really been a while on Soundcheck specifically where we've dived into an artist I've never listened to and all of the material Mm -hmm. has some sort of merit to it. I think the last time that happened was like, you know, Bob Mould. And like, even then it was like, there's still a couple of you now a bit. Yeah, maybe, maybe don't. Listen to a fan like me. Yeah. So like, and I, I couldn't have asked for a better guest to Brie. You decided you dissected those lyrics perfectly. And like, I think this was a great episode, great music. And I can't wait to hear it after Ben actually edits in these songs because, you know, there's, I think we all pick songs that have like the high points and like the, um, that encapsulates the albums, the feelings mm-hmm. of the albums, and it's a totality. So, yeah. What do you guys think? I think this was great. <laughs> Me too. I am very happy that I got to be a guest on this episode because I love Fiona and her music has, like I said, I discovered her five years ago in 2016 when I was like 16. So, she, yeah. her music has been through throughout very formative years of my life. And so, it, every album of hers really does mean a lot to me. Mm-hmm. So, I'm glad I get to talk about it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really nice because, you know, um, I'll, I'll shoot back to another um, artist uh, we talked about last season with Silverstone Pickups. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what they are to me. You know, mm-hmm. That's a band, I think, that came into me like junior, senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And they've, uh, so it's, well, that's, that's already, what, four or five years ago yeah. at this point. So it's, it's kind of a parallel there. They, they've been there through a lot of my formative years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's an artist that means a lot to me. Uh, maybe they're not necessarily my favorites, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and I can definitely see why Fiona Apple would do that for you. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm kind of the same page. And like, I'm definitely returning to a lot of the stuff I hadn't heard before. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very happy. I was finally able to be pushed into listening to Fiona Apple for this episode. Mm-hmm. I think she, would you guys say, and this is the question I was thinking about, would you guys agree that if you want to say, look, think about things objectively. Uh-huh. Uh, no, you don't. No, you just say you don't really do that. <laughs> but let's just play a game here. Uh-huh. Is she one of the greatest songwriters of all time, or at least close to that? I think so. I because I don't know. I don't know how big they have to make that list, but I don't think we'd have to make it very, very long. Like no. if we think about top twenty-five, top fifteen, maybe even top, maybe even top ten. I think. She's at the very least in that conversation. Mm-hmm. She is just a force to be reckoned with. And I think mm-hmm. her being able to take those long breaks in between records, her attitude of, I'm going to write when I want to write. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write when I have something to say. Mm-hmm. I think, and as, you, as we've all said, there, she really doesn't have anything that's truly bad. Mm-hmm. She has, she's, all her stuff has merit. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that attitude, and sure, it might be annoying because I want a new Fiona Apple record. <laughs> It, it you can't say it hasn't produced that mm-hmm. actually hasn't produced results because mm-hmm. while we while we don't get them very often when we do it's always something special. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but, but anyways, do you guys agree? Do, would you agree with that, Michael? That she's at least in the consideration when the greatest song. No doubt in my mind, she's in the conversation. Mm-hmm. So, excellent. Yay. <laughs> well, uh, I think that kind of concludes our conversation on this topic. Mm-hmm. But uh, before we move oh. on. Uh, we got recommendations for yeah, you. We, so. Yeah. So. We, we always let the guests go first, Bree. Do you have something? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I recently discovered this band from San Antonio called Thea, which is a Spanish word meaning ugly. <laughs> so if that, if that didn't give it away, they are a punk band. Um, they are fronted by Alice Bag, who used to be the front woman for a punk band from the early, no, it was from, it would have been from the late 70s. 
but they were called the bags and they were like super formative and they were like one of like the ogs basically of the scene at the time um so but this is her newer band i believe the album the songs on came out in like 2016. it's called Mujer Moderna, which means, which in Spanish means modern woman. And I thought it was a fitting recommendation for this episode because it revolves around a feminist theme. And I just think it's super badass. <laughs> So uh, the band that I'm talking about, I'll just go from memory because I do know this band. I've been on this band for a while. Here we go. Uh, it's been called Them Ranch. Uh, it's like I, I think a ranch. Ranch. I don't know how to say this band Ranch. ranch. Sure. Uh, it's not spelled. It's spelled W R A N C H. So ranch. Ranch, but with a W, basically. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, uh, they're a garagey, punky band from the early 2000s. I know. Stop if you stop if, stop if you've heard that one before. But uh, I think unlike you know bands like The Strokes, they they don't have like super. They have this really dirty kind of production to them. I've always thought they were fun. Um, they only have they as far as I've been able to find at least on like Spotify and like a lot of like iTunes and a lot of these uh, you know big music streaming and places. Uh, they only have one album out, it's called Medium Rare, at least in 2001. They're from the Columbus, Ohio area. And that's actually how I know them because when I, man, look, the first, actually, I think the first time I ever went to a record store was at Spoonful Records in Ohio. It's a pretty decent record, Columbus, Ohio. Pretty decent record store. If you're ever in the area, I'd recommend stopping by. Um, but I, I, I asked him, hey, what's some local music I should check out? And he brought me to like the CD band and he gave me Medium Rare, I should check this out. And I really, and I've always liked it. I mean, it's not the most amazing thing ever, but there's always been some charm to like how kind of down and dirty the production is. You know, you definitely get the four guys in the garage having fun kind of vibe with this one. Uh, there's a lot of fun songs on here. Uh, High Eight Sweet D's, uh, Snake Bites, uh, Headcasts, Star Circles, Get Me Off This Planet. I think the one that's always, um, I think Hyatt Sweet Deeds is my favorite, but you know what? The one I'd like to play here is Five Dollars Till Friday. Uh, I feel a song I feel like a lot of college students can relate to, if you can't tell from the title. So uh, that's what I'd like to highlight. <laughs>
My recommendation is the most mainstream, and it's something I think Andrew and I've talked about on the show before. I've been reading Into the Wild by John Krakauer, and it's a book about a kid who sells all of his possessions and just treks across the country and eventually dies in Alaska. It's Mm -hmm. a fantastic book, fantastic reporting, and it's helped me a lot the past week with reading through dense Mm -hmm. IR stuff for my Mm -hmm. classes. Mm -hmm. And there's a movie on it, and that movie is soundtracked by Eddie Vedder, and it's some of Eddie's best music outside of Pearl Jam. Um, I mean, Andrew, you can speak to this. Hard Sun, dude. I mean, that is... Yeah, I remember you you talked about that in a Pearl Jam episode. There was some... I don't know Eddie's solo stuff, acoustic stuff that well, but from what I've heard, yeah, it's pretty good. When I walk beside her, I am the better man. When I look to leave her, I always stagger back again Once I built an ivory tower So I could worship from above When I climbed down to be set free She took me in again There's a big, a big hot sun Beating on the big people In the big heart Fantastic. That one, Society, Guaranteed, they're all just a fantastic set of songs. And I cannot wait to watch the movie and see the movie soundtrack with this. And yeah, the book is fantastic too. Strongly recommend. But yeah, that is my recommendation. Any final thoughts before we close the episode, guys? Um, I'm just really happy. (laughs) I'm just really happy that we did this again. Um, it was very satisfying because yes. the only other person I really talked to about Fiona Apple stuff is Andrew. Like no one else really wants to hear me like ramble about like, look, there's like five different ways you can interpret this line. Isn't that great? Like no one really wants to have a conversation just in passing. So this is a very nice. Yes. This wow. is the show for rambling and yeah. rambling and dissecting lyrics and everything like that. And like I said, Brie, you were the best guest. I couldn't imagine yeah. a better guest for this episode. Yeah. So, well, yes. And I'm happy that I got her on because Yes, you got to uh, share her opinions with us, and I, I'm just I'm just happy um, that we again talk about this artist a lot too. So next <laughs> week, this is gonna be a fun one. We talked about movie soundtracks a few a uh, few seasons ago, um, but this is an episode. I know Michael as he just did this thing. He's very excited about. Um, we're gonna talk about video game soundtracks, and uh, who knows what that's gonna entail. Um, but yes, that will be next week's episode. So I already started making my playlist, dude. It, it's called Nostalgia on YouTube. It has it all: Minecraft, Skyrim, Dark Souls. It's hey, all- hey, 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 hey! Now, hey now, Michael. <laughs> I'm not don't, trying. Don't to- spoil it. Don't spoil Pixar. Hey, nobody makes it this far in the episode anyway. It's fine. But- I do. <laughs> I listen to every episode. Well, you already you see. You spoiled it for already, Michael. Yeah, damn it. <laughs> What do we say at the end of every episode, Andrew? All right. And as always, good night. night. (laughs) I wasn't ready. What? I don't know. I felt awkward. I was like, should I say it too? I don't know.
Once you tell your troubles to They don't really care for you Come and sit with me and talk a while Let me see your pretty little smile Put your troubles in a little pile And I will sort them out for you I fall in love with you I think I'll marry you 